right, welcome back to hour number two here of the Pete Callender Show on WBT. I am Brad Slager filling in for Pete one last day. He will be back on the airwaves for your ears tomorrow. So this hour, um, we're going to be a little bit, probably a little bit media heavy because this is kind of my... uh, specialty, my expertise, as it were. I've got a daily column at townhall.com called Rift from the Headlines, where I cover all the misdeeds in the press, as well as my Red State podcast twice a week. It's called Liable Sources, where I delve even a little bit deeper into the press. Second half of this hour, speaking of Red State, I'm going to have on Stacey Matthews. She's known as Sister Told You, and uh, she and I kind of tag team with our press coverage we're both uh, we, we're kind of the co-media antagonists over at Red State. So looking forward to having my sister on so we can go a little bit further into this. So we've seen the press uh, acting up overnight here with the raid on Mar-a-Lago and such. The reactions and overreactions are pretty incessant. And the, the press is basically, there's a lot of wish casting going on. Let's just put it that way. When they see the fact that authorities are storming Donald Trump's compound, the the excitement is rather palpable. <laughs> you, you can't mistake the level of glee that has been just pouring out of the press for the last 12 hours or so. And this kind of follows suit to the distemper that they've had. You know, we've covered it on the show here for the last couple of days. Some of the antics we've seen from the press but there's um there's a level of disturbance basically in the media over things you know they're they're desperately trying to gaslight us on joe biden's economy telling us hey this is just great news there's no recession things are going fantastic you know despite the fact that our wallets and bank accounts are feeling the effects on a daily basis and you really get a sense that the press is it, I don't know if I'd say desperation quite yet, but there's there's kind of a level of insistence going on that they are losing their grip on things, that their traction with the American public and the voters is sliding. One of those ways that um, they're going to expose themselves, I'll say, is anytime nowadays when you hear them bringing up QAnon, You know, I mentioned this in my previous segment with Jorge Bonilla from MRC Latino, where the the votes in Miami were shocking to the Democrats in the 2020 election. Donald Trump nearly tied Joe Biden 50-50 in votes in Dade County. This is where Miami is located in South Florida. A normally heavy Democrat enclave for voting. So for that result to come in. And as a result, Donald Trump went ahead and took the state of Florida as a final. That helped boost him. And the Democrats are now in a little bit of panic mode, as me and Jorge were discussing. So one of the explanations they came up with was to say that on Spanish radio stations, QAnon was delivering misinformation that was fooling and deceiving the Spanish voters. You know, and we just touched on it, how how reductive that is to say, oh, these, you know, these poor Hispanic voters don't know any better. 
Like they can't think for themselves. And the, the sad thing is this is coming from both Democrat leadership as well as prominent figures in the Hispanic community. Hispanic media and some celebrities and such were coming out and saying, oh, you know, oh, these poor Hispanic people are being fooled and deceived by the Republicans because they're supposed to vote Democrat. But so many of them are coming over to the GOP lately. And to blame this on QAnon is both uh, ridiculous and revealing because the press is clinging to this uh, QAnon theory that it's prevailing, that it's not just uh, active in the voters' minds, but that it has taken over the GOP. That's one of the explanations. They're, they're trying to sell the concept that Republican Party is guided by QAnon. I'm, I'm going to explain to you why that's ridiculous, not just on the surface, because obviously it is. But what is taking place here with the press in regard to QAnon? Uh, this was a story came out what a week, maybe two weeks ago in the New York Times. The headline was QAnon candidates aren't thriving, but some of their ideas are. Now, already we have a problem. <laughs> Because what what they're talking about here is in reference to the primaries taking place, uh, the press is pinpointing a number of candidates who they are declaring to be under the sway of QAnon. So in this piece, they're trying to tell us that even though the candidates themselves aren't necessarily winning and, and getting traction with the voters you know, in these primaries, writer Stuart Thompson is still insisting that the QAnon ideas are, are alive and, and going well. Major contradiction right here, Stuart. Just going to say that. Because if the ideas are still thriving, as you want to insist, then wouldn't the candidates be more successful? <laughs> wouldn't they be winning? But here's the thing. The, the press wants... The, QAnon is like their demon, their boogeyman, however you want to describe it. Think of it this way. When you hear about QAnon, is it from people on the street? Is there a lot of chatter when you're going out to restaurants and such? Or are you hearing about it in the press? Because the only time I ever hear QAnon invoked is in the media. They are the ones that are so obsessed with it. You know, QAnon theories are not being pushed around. They're not in normal discussion. They're not on any media outlets that I go to. You know, they they try to insist that certain ideas are QAnon related, but here's the tell. QAnon, as it were, stopped as an entity nearly two years ago. You know, there was a QAnon outlet, a website and such, that suspended operation in December of 2020. This means that QAnon was over before the January 6th riot before Joe Biden took office. And yet the media is still churning this idea as valid and rampant in conservative circles. And it's also flying in the face of the New York Times because they 
claimed to have pinpointed QAnon. This was uh, back in February this year. They had used not one but two offices worldwide that basically had software that could determine the fingerprint of those who were writing and came up with the two individuals in QAnon. They were complete anonymous nobodies, not involved in the party, not anybody with any influence. And this is who they claim is running the GOP today. It's desperation. Welcome back to the P. Callender Show here on WBT and WBT.com. Brad Slager sitting in once again. And as I said, we're going to be a little bit media intensive here. I want to uh, use this segment to go over one of the particular aspects of the media complex that I cover frequently, and that is the fact checkers. Probably the most ironically named... <laughs> aspect of our journalism industry because of a number of reasons. One, uh, the facts seem to be a rather fluid detail with the fact checkers on a frequent basis. These are individuals, and it, it goes across the spectrum. The actual facts sometimes don't matter so much as the narrative. They follow suit with the rest of these news outlets that you know they have a particular story that needs to be told they're going to tell it facts be damned sometimes and i've got examples of that but the whole aspect of fact checking seems to be uh how do i even describe it unnecessary is what it is you know because it used to be the fact checkers were the young kids the interns and such that were ferreted away in an office and Anytime the lead writers would turn a story and it would go to the fact checkers, they would chase down the details and verify and make sure everything is clean, and make sure everything's accurate. That was their job at the time. But now fact checkers are front and center divisions at news outlets. Just about every single newspaper or network or website has a fact checking division. And you have to ask yourself why this is necessary if your reporters are doing their job. I mean, after all, isn't that what journalism is supposed to do is deliver the story and deliver the facts to you? Why do you need a separate adjunct division to do this? And it's because the fact checkers are actually a tool of these news outlets. That's what they've been made into. Because frequently, and I, I do this on a regular basis, I note when fact checkers deviate from the facts, their stated mission statement. I mean, it's, they're supposed to be trafficking in facts and they don't look at the, look at the detail that so many of them have this grading scale when it comes to the facts, you know, it's not a yes or no true or false. They have half true, half false, mostly true, mostly false. You know, they shade and they manipulate the results sometimes and very frequently i even have them providing a detail that in itself would be accurate and then their grade on that detail is false 
another trick they play is in what they don't fact check. It's one of the features of my column every so often. I'll just compile what the fact checkers concentrate on instead of, say, the big news items. They'll comb through social media and fact check jokes and memes and things of this nature. They'll grade things that are humorous and meant to be a joke. Uh, just last week or so, um, I think it was Reuters. They felt the need to fact check a video where there's Joe Biden at, a, at an event with his wife. And as Jill speaking, he wanders off camera frame. But one of the many joke sites that are out there had superimposed audio of an ice cream truck music playing in the background and made it look like Joe was distracted by an ice cream truck and walked off. This was a purely done for humor. Nobody would believe it's accurate. It came out last fall in, when it was first released, but Reuters last week felt the need to fact check that and let us know that this was not accurate. It was manipulated video. This is what they concentrate on instead of, say, the administration or Joe Biden. But here's, I'm going to give an example of how they operate in this fashion. And there's numerous examples, but this is just one that recently I addressed. In Nevada, Adam Lexalt is running for office, and he was the former attorney general of the state. And his opponent, who's Catherine, Catherine Cortez Masto, she claimed that Adam Lexalt supports eliminating Nevada's protections for legal abortions. And one of the other charges she had is that he wants to eliminate birth control. He wants to limit birth control access for Nevada. That was the main fact check that they looked into. And PolitiFact rated that as mostly true, that Adam Lexalt is proposing limiting birth control for Nevadans. You have to read through a lengthy piece to find out that they base this on a Supreme Court filing from seven years ago. Lexalt had, at the time, as attorney general, signed on to an amicus brief with the state of Nevada, a number of other states. This was in regards to the Sisters of Mercy, or Sisters of the Poor, the Catholic institution that was being forced by Obamacare to provide birth control, and they were fighting that in court. And he just signed on in support of the religious rights aspect of it. PolitiFact says that document from seven years ago means today Lexalt wants to limit birth control. This is how they operate. One of my favorite, though, came from CNN. Daniel Dale is their resident fact checker. And he went after a couple of GOP senators, um, Marsha Blackburn and Ron Johnson. They had come out, and this is during January, where D.C. was still under supreme lockdown for pandemic responses. They said that Dems think that... Uh, you need to still be segregated, unvaxxed, and require people leaving their home to have a photo ID, mask, and proof of vaccine. Daniel Dale jumped all over it. This is wrong. This is inaccurate for these senators to say this. Despite the fact that the senators were quoting D.C. Mayor Muriel Bowser directly, she was inaccurate about her own law. Daniel Dale excused her and then filed 
a false claim on the two GOP senators, amazingly enough. Okay, we are back with the Pete Callender Show here at News Talk 1110 and 99.3 FM. And if you need to uh, catch up on past episodes or past segments, head over to WBT.com and keep tabs on all upcoming programming on social media at WBT Radio. All right, we've been covering the press rather extensively, so it only makes sense that I would bring on my partner in crime over at Red State in regards to covering the press. She writes under the moniker of Sister Told You. Stacey Matthews is on. Stacey, how are you today? Brad, it is a pleasure and honor to be with you. Somebody had told me that I was going to be interviewed by Florida Man on Charlotte Radio two, even two weeks ago. I would have said, huh? Are you kidding me? But it's happening. Yeah, I figured I should bring you on to give uh, give the locals a little bit of a break from the Florida Man accent and let them hear from one of their own. So, uh, graciously, you've come on with me. I appreciate the time. Well, to be, to be sure, we have a few Floridians that live here in Charlotte, but, but none quite like you, Brad. So there can only be one one Brad. Well, that's, uh, yes. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to say thank you for your accuracy and honesty. That was wonderful <laughs> to hear. But um, as I said... Sister told you, as she writes, uh, she and I go back and forth a lot of times on the website, uh, stealing stories from each other regarding the press. It's just kind of what we do over there at Red State. And uh, did you catch the latest developments, Daisy, regarding Brian Stelter, where he has done a complete 180 now, and he's he's on board, seemingly, with the Hunter Biden laptop story? I apologize, Brad. Can you repeat that? You bleeped out on me there for a second. I was just commenting on how Brian Stelter has done a 180 on the Hunter Biden laptop story. Oh, yeah. Suddenly that, it's uh, valid. That, that's, you know, it, it's it's pretty typical now that it potentially uh, could no longer hurt Joe Biden. I mean, I guess technically maybe it could in a couple of years. But now that we're well past the election, he's finally uh, making an acknowledgement that we all knew was true at the time the story broke uh, about Hunter Biden laptop emails and, and how big a deal that it actually was, not just because it was Hunter Biden's emails, but because it uh, directly uh, potentially reflected on uh, on Joe Biden. Yeah, the, the amazing thing about Stelter's position for me was that he was fully on board with pushing the Russian misinformation aspect. You know, oh, this is clearly a case of, of Russia coming in and influencing our media with a false story, despite the fact that there was zero evidence whatsoever of russia involvement in any capacity with that particular story this is cnn's media guru who was pushing a story that had zero factual basis uh it's it's well, pretty CNN amazing way, but pretty typical of them well the cnn way is you and i both know brad and this is really the media way but especially with cnn is that if there's a story out there that can potentially damage a democrat uh, the way, their way of dismissing it is by bringing on a supposed expert or two who uh, throws shade on the story, who says, oh, this, this isn't anything to be a big deal about, and then they dismiss it. But if it's related to Republicans, they'll bring out every coup uh, possible um, to try to verify um, the alleged uh, scandal, like, like they did with Russia collusion, which they did for 
almost four years. It's, it's like I said, it's the CNN way, largely the media way, but we especially see it with, with CNN and from Stelter, especially it's disturbing because he is a media person. He's supposedly an expert on, on uh, media um, reporters and so forth. And um, for him to, to be a part of what CNN's doing uh, with, with the self-serving nature of their reporting, um, I wish I could say it was astonishing, but at this point with him, it's, it's pretty predictable. Yeah, it is. It's, it's even got to the fact where I try not covering Brian because I could cover him 24-7, it seems like. But he, he one of the... Deserves, uh, he, we, we, he actually deserves his own website for, for nothing but stealth or Oh, certainly. I mean, literally, that's people, <laughs> somebody could sit around and do that literally all day, every day. Yeah, I, I steer from him only for the sake of variety. I don't want to be all Brian all the time. But, right. Um, one of the other details, you know, in this same vein of what you were just talking about regards the treatment of the January 6th hearing. You know, we see the press just, they're, they're in complete agreement, 100%, all in January 6th is completely valid. This committee and everything they do is perfect. The example here that I point to is note in any of the coverage, and I'm going to ask you if you've spotted any of this at all, do they ever have Republicans on or a contrarian voice come on in regards to the January 6th commission? Well, usually it's quote unquote Republicans like Alyssa Farrah Griffin, who uh, feeds right into um, the narratives, uh, the media crafted narratives about uh, January 6th being the worst thing that's happened to this country in American history, which is ridiculous. Um, and it should be ridiculous to anybody with even a basic understanding of American history. But no, you, you don't see that. I mean, you, you will on Fox News, but that's to be expected. You won't see it on CNN. You won't see it on NBC, MSNBC. You won't see it on at the New York Times or any of the other supposedly respectable news outlets because it doesn't. Having on a Republican with a contrarian view on the Capitol riot um, goes against the narrative. So we can't disrupt the narrative. Therefore, the Republicans, those types of Republicans, don't come on the show unless they're the types that really say inflammatory things that play right into the media traps about Capitol, the Capitol riot. Well, you know, you can't you can't have these Republican voices come on when they're trying to destroy democracy. I mean, that would just be anti-American to do such a thing, which cracks me right. up because. Look at uh, <laughs> how they push anti-democratic policy on the time. I mean, look who wants to get rid of the Supreme Court. They want to get rid of the Electoral College. They're talking about how the Senate is unfair and needs abolishment. <laughs> These seem to be kind of anti-democratic, but they all come from the, the left somehow. And the press never really wants to point those details out. Well, not only that, but it, it, it's really uncanny that it seems like the same positions that Democrats take on policy, like from Chuck Schumer to Nancy Pelosi and all the rest, they can go on CNN or MSNBC or, or, or wherever, and miraculously, the anchors on those programs just so happen to agree with them. Um, so it, it, it's, it's like this, and I've posted about this on Twitter before and in some of my pieces, and I know you have, there's this incestuous, relationship that the media uh, and Democrats have that, to me, is undemocratic. The media is supposed to be objective mm -hmm. and neutral. Um, the, the mainstream media is supposed to be objective and neutral and just giving you the facts 
and letting you make your decision uh, or your opinion, uh, form your opinion on, on what's going on out there. And instead, what the media does in concert with Democrats is they tell you what your opinion should be. If your opinion is different from CNN's or MSNBC or the New York Times, then you are a threat to democracy. It's that simple. Yeah, of course, of course. And when they have, you know, look at Brian Stelter and Jake Tapper and many of the others, when they have the Democrats on, it's all leading questions. Tell us what your opinion is on this. How do you feel about this policy? And then they do, they go ahead and just monologue unchallenged. Oh, and yeah, then we you have recently with the Supreme Court ruling on on abortion. I believe it was Dana Bash or one of the reporters on CNN. They had a legal expert, or maybe it was somebody from the uh, Biden administration. And their one of their questions were was in so many words, "What is the Biden administration going to do to protect women's rights?" There was <laughs> exactly, no, yes. You know, I mean, there was no like help us, help us is in what any in any like neutral term. What is what is the Biden administration going to do to protect women's rights in the aftermath of the Supreme Court ruling? I mean, there's no objectivity there at all. And it really Never does a disservice is. to the public because, again, the public is supposed to look to news, to the news media for the news, not the news media's opinion. They're supposed to look to the, to the news media to be informed so we can make our own decisions about whether or not something is right or wrong, good or bad, uh, and that sort of thing. Gotcha. All right, we are back with the Pete Callender Show here on WBT and joining me to ease the burden of Florida man's accent. We have resident North Carolinian sister told you from Red State, my, uh, I would say partner in crime, my sister in crime. Uh, we were just talking, Stace, about the, uh, <laughs> the nature of the media and how they just like love to adhere to the death of democracy at the hands of the GOP. Just one of the stories that has come out recently to that effect was from NBC of all places where I covered, uh, I think it was yesterday I covered on how in Michigan, you know, Pete Meyer, who was against Trump and voted for his impeachment has been ousted in the primary. He actually, I don't know. He acted rather decent, polite, like a human being towards his opponent. And, uh, you know, by saying, you know, John Gibbs won and I congratulate him and such, NBC comes out to suggest that Peter Mayer, and this is their quote, is basically backing an ongoing coup attempt for, for no other reason than he was polite. <laughs> what? Right. How do we make this leap? <laughs> well, that's what they do. I mean, and, and we've seen this not just with Peter Mayer, but anybody ever since the Capitol riot, anybody that has remotely defended um, President Trump, whether it's been saying that, um, well, you know, what he said was no different than what Democrats said in previous elections when they disputed, you know, the election results and whatnot. From saying that to saying, well, I don't necessarily like the way Trump acted after um, the 2020 election was over, uh, but this does not equate to incitement. Any any type of even just 
bare minimum defense of Trump uh, from that day makes you a danger to democracy. I mean, Peter Mayer, you can't get any more anti-Trump than what he did with voting for, for Trump to be impeached. Now, he's being conciliatory to the person who defeated him in the primary. Hey, that's great. You know, you won't always see that uh, uh, in these types of primates, especially if Adam Kinzinger, for example, was being primaried. Um, of course, he's not running for re-election, but let's assume he was being primaried and he was defeated by a primary opponent who was a Trump, uh, who was endorsed by Trump. Adam Kinzinger would not have the same uh, mindset that Pierre Mayer had, and because Adam Kinzinger... Um, desperately wants to keep whatever uh, media gigs he can get. So, but this, this is just how the media operates. If you were, if you have remotely defended Trump, or if you've defended Kevin McCarthy, uh, his actions in, in the aftermath of the Capitol riot and whatnot, then you are a danger to democracy. It's basically their way of condemning like seventy-five percent of the Republican Party is dangerous to democracy, which means. By that measure, we must keep Democrats in power to keep uh, these dangerous Republicans from um, doing further damage to our democracy, quote-unquote. What I find real amusing is that Meyer was really just being decent. He wasn't even supportive or backing or anything else. He just said, congratulations. And the media is losing their mind. This is the same media, by the way, that always demeans anybody that's divisive they, they hate divisiveness and yet here they are oh curiously enough well it's just, being it's just, divisive. It's, they just they just flip it's like they flip a switch there's a switch on their desk and the moment somebody says anything remotely conciliatory to somebody who was endorsed by trump or somebody who has defended trump then they go from being a, a media hero uh, like uh, Peter Meyer was at one point to now being nothing but a co-conspirator in Trump's alleged attempt to stage a coup. End, end of the story. Yeah, pretty much like I always say, uh, you know, people want to suggest that the media doesn't have any standards. And I always say, no, 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 they definitely do. They have twice as many as everybody else. Well, actually, what they, if the media had no double standards, then they'd have no standards at all. That's what I, That's what I typically say definitely the case stuff <laughs> well we've um yeah we got to wrap up here pretty soon but um going forward do you see any logic at all creeping into the press i'm going to throw it to you regarding the economy is it is there any point in time do you see somebody being logical about our economy in the recession uh, logical in what way uh, admitting what's going on in the economy as opposed to selling us as, that everything as is far fantastic. As, as far as the media goes, no. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just like, I, I keep looking at John Harwood, <laughs> who keeps telling us we're doing great. We're doing fine, everybody, despite the fact that nobody feels that way. All right, Stacy, I want to thank you for coming on, and I want to tell everybody listening, head over to Red State. She and I will be tag-teaming the press on a regular basis on your behalf.